Basketball season has returned. It's been a long time. It's been a long time coming. It's life and death for me, man. But you know, there's no turning back now. This is what makes me. This is what I am, family. Feel me? Yeah. Five. Tool. Podcast. We're back, people. And better than ever. Or at least slightly above average. We don't know. We don't care. We're in this. Black Josh, you good? I'm good. Killer Kyle, you good? Mike Vick is better than Lamar Jackson. That's ridiculous. Seamus, you good? I'm always good. <laughs> Has Mike Vick won an MVP, right? Yes. I think he did. Dog fighting. <laughs> Why are we calling him Mike Vick and not Michael Vick? Because his name's Mike. His name's Michael. When they say like Mike, they're talking about Mike Vick. I don't think anyone's talking about Mike Vick. <laughs> yeah, definitely, that. definitely not. That's like saying Nick Cage. That works, too. Nick Cage sounds cool. I like Nick Cage. I don't like Nicolas Cage. And I like Michael Vick, but I don't like Mike Vick. I think he became Mike Vick after the dogfight. Or Thomas Brady. Thomas I like that. St. Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> Five Tool Podcast. We're back. The NFL Awards are on. Give us an update, Killer Kyle. Kyle is at the NFL Awards. What do you got? I am. I'm here in Miami right now, and um, unfortunately, uh, we know who wins everything, so I don't know why I'm watching this. Why don't they do an NFC award, an AFC award? I mean, maybe not for MVP, but like NFC Defensive Player of the Year and AFC Defensive Player of the Year. Why don't they do that? Uh, that that's a lot of awards, if you think of it. Like, they already have like six major awards, not including the Walter Man- Peyton Man of the Year award, so... I mean, how many awards do you want to give out, you know? We have a whole show Yeah, but the it. Grammys give out 5,000 awards. And the Grammys but they only sh- stupid. And they, but they only show, like, three of them. That's true. The rest is just awful performances, typically. And it's, like, three hours long, so they fill it with, like, nonsense. Although Ursher did a tribute to Prince this year, and I thought it was pretty good. Was Usher the right guy to give a tribute to Prince? Yeah, well, he, like I said, I I thought he did well. He's got an amazing Wouldn't voice. Wouldn't have been my first choice, but he did well. Can he play why guitar? Is America, why is America, like, bowing down to Usher lately? I notice he's on, like, everything. And he hasn't done anything in the last five years. Like, nothing. He doesn't need to. Yeah, Usher's great, man. I mean, yeah, so he did the Lakers game. I love game. Usher. He did the Lakers game. But he game. needs he to put the- out a new album. Yeah. Gotta make that paper, son. Yeah, maybe he's trying to make a comeback. Yeah, that that makes sense. Maybe this is like the pre- his way into it. Maybe this is his precursor to his comeback as he's doing the Lakers game. Uh, what I hope so because he's great. He's a legend, man. I love Usher. He's an R and B legend, yeah. No, he's just a legend. He's a music legend and a dance legend. He's gonna be in the rock. He's smooth. Yeah, he'll be in the rock and roll Hall of Fame, Seamus. What do you think about that? I wouldn't be. A f- I I love Usher, but I wouldn't be a fan of that. He'll get in Why? before Benatar. Why? Definitely. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Name a pa- 
Camp Benatar song. Go. Okay, hit me with your best shot. Love is a battlefield. Um, we are <laughs> That's a good tune, actually. <laughs> hit me with your best shot. That's not a good tune. Pat Benatar was the second video on MTV after Buggles' video killed the radio star. Well, that's why MTV went the way it did. I'm pretty sure Pat oh. Benatar's on Guitar Hero, too. Yo, what's the point of having I know Barracuda by Heart is on Guitar Hero. What did you say, Ed? Barracuda by Heart? Oh, that's Yes, you're too. right. That's right. on the original Guitar Hero. Yeah, it is, and that's one hell of a song. What the hell does it have to do with Pat Benatar? She was on Guitar oh, yeah. Hero. Whatever. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sure, but I just, I just knew Hart was. I didn't know that Pat Benatar was. Man, Guitar Pat Hero Benatar was... Pat Benatar could get it. She, yeah, <laughs> she can get everything except a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination. Exactly. So we're back, 5 Tool Podcast. We'll keep it going. Oh, Booger's calling. Um, Who? No, Booger McFarland. Um, so, oh. <laughs> we made it through January. And I've seen a Pat, lot of memes... so annoying. He's not annoying. He was on the... Never mind. We're not going to get him Booger Man. I, I fucking hate him. I like Booger I hate Man. him. I think he's a good guy. I think he's an imbecile. I think he's handsome. Anyway, I think he eats too much soul food. I love soul food. Any, anyways, we're going to get on with the show here. So we made it through January. It's February now. Um, I've seen a lot of memes and talk online about how January has been like, I mean, 2020 has been completely awful so far this year. It's just been this, this shit show. There's been the coronavirus. There's been obviously the, the death of Kobe Bryant and eight other people. There's been just all this awful stuff happening. So I was kind of doing some reflecting in preparation for tonight's episode. And I, I was kind of going through the month of January and I wanted to highlight some, some different things that happened in January so far in 2020, a new decade and the Roaring Twenties, and I wanted to kind of go through some of them and discuss those as, as topics for tonight's show. And then, of course, stay tuned later. We're going to do our Super Bowl preview after we're done doing our normal show. So we'll probably talk a little, oh, yeah, a little special bonus. This is going to be our first episode that exceeds an hour in length. So people stay tuned. We're, we're doing new, new, bigger things here in 2020 here at Five Tool, and this is just the start of it. So, so we made it through January. So I kind of did this format of good, bad, good, bad. So first we're going to talk about something good that's happened in 2020. Then we're going to hit something that was bad in 2020 so far. And then good, then bad. And we're going to kind of follow that format throughout the episode. And I got some surprises along the way. And we got a lot of good discussion, I think. So the first thing that I think we can all agree, all of us, all four of us, and everybody listening out there, is the, the first real good thing that happened so far in 2020 is the Patriots lose and they're not in the Super Bowl. Indeed. And there's been disagree. A, and there's been a lot. We're not listening to you, Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, that laugh! That is something. That is a good laugh. Solid <laughs> He's got to laugh. But there's, but also on top of the Patriots losing, that has begun the discussion about possible rumors of Tom Brady maybe leaving New England. He released a cryptic black and white photo on Instagram on Thursday. His ex- explanation that he said was he wanted to remind people that the best photos are in black and white. That was his, that was his explanation, and I agree with him. The best. Photos. It's right. That's it's that's totally spot right. on. It's totally right. Are we still doing the good? We're on the good. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. So yeah, 
the, he said the best photos are in black and white. I agree with him, but I think he was trying to confuse the public because it was him standing at the end of the tunnel, made it look like, you know, the typical I'm retiring picture that a guy will put on Instagram, but it, it, it got a lot of buzz talking, and there's been a lot of different speculation as to what Tom Brady may be doing. Uh, rumors say he bought property in Las Vegas, and when I did some research, it turns out those pro- he was it wasn't even him, I think it was Giselle was in Vegas. Um, rumors say he enrolled his son in a Nashville school, but it turns out he just, like, brought one of his kids there. He didn't enroll any kids. You know what I think? I think Tom Brady fucking spreads these rumors himself just so that he can sit back and fucking laugh. I really do. I agree. I think Tom Brady's just fucking Like, look at all these fucking idiots. Right. And, yeah, rumors also say that he's going to Miami, but apparently they're, they're... Owner or GM, one of the two said that that would be a terrible fit and he's not interested in Tom Brady coming to Miami. So I want to get everybody's thoughts. <laughs> Number one. That's the best thing I've ever heard of my life. <laughs> Number one, who cares where Tom Brady goes at this point? And number two, where do you think he's going? And, and number three, is he just messing with people? I'm going to start with you, Seamus, since you're the, you're the Pats fan in the group. You're the only Pats fan this side of the Mason Dixon line. What do you think? That's a lot of noise. Well, I... <laughs> I do care because I am a Pats fan. Um, oh, break it down. Then. Where do I? Where do I think he's going to go? My heart says he's going to stay in New England. My brain says the longer this goes on, the better the chance that he will stay in New England. Um, the longer what goes on. I, the, the longer it takes for the decision to be made. Oh, okay. Um, I've heard Miami. I did see the, the, the story about Vegas. I've also heard L.A. with the Chargers, and I've also heard Tennessee. Out of all of those, if he does move, I think the best opportunity, the best fit, would would probably be Tennessee. Based on what Tennessee did this season, you go into that AFC title game, you have Henry at running back, if you have Tom Brady under center, we might be looking at a completely different Super Bowl this year. What about Tannehill? <laughs> well, I watched, I watched Tannehill choke it up in the AFC East when he played for Miami. I mean, I think, he, I think he proved his stay. This year, comeback player of the year. But I've, I've seen him have, I've, I, I've seen him have a couple of eight and eight seasons with Miami, and then completely fall on his face. That was I'm Miami. That's a terrible organization. Agreed. Yeah, but I'm still not convinced. Yeah, I'm still Tannehill still has not completely sold me. Yeah, you put it. You put Tannehill on a good roster. He makes it to the AFC Championship. I mean, look at look at what the the difference just the team makes. You know, and well, the complete turnaround that when he got inserted into the starting lineup, that team completely changed. Yeah, and his passer rating was better than anyone else. Granted, he was doing a lot of shovel passes and shit, but still, the best passer rating in the NFL <laughs> season. I'm, I'm still not convinced. I've I've seen flashes of Tannehill, like I said, watching him when he was in Miami, and I I'm not 100 percent told on Tannehill for Tennessee. I think he would have done very well down there. It to me, it sounds like Tennessee is set on Tannehill. They they said that before the season ended, but I think if they got Brady in the mix, 
that may be a, 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 a they may change the decision factor. I, I just want to remind you guys, Mike Vrabel is very close with Tom Brady. They are good friends. But also, Seamus, you pointed out that if this keeps going on, there's a chance he'll stay in New England. But just remember, March 18th, um, if, the, if New England doesn't sign him, they have to take a $13.5 million salary cap hit so for dead cap space. So that's... That's something to think about too. That he's going to have to probably make a decision before then whether at least he's not not he's staying in in New England. Sorry, I don't know how to talk. Killer Kyle, what do you think? Tom Brady, where's he going to end up? Uh, well, I tell you what, um, it is very interesting, and we haven't seen this before ever with Thomas Brady, um, <laughs> because he's been you know, such a staple in New England. I truly believe now, granted, there's all these rumors and like all the speculation of multiple teams. I heard Tampa Bay is a dark horse to get them because they have such good, they have a awesome tandem and Goodwin and Mike Evans oh, down yeah. there. That would be amazing be to watch. Um, Bruce Arians is a, a, a genius offensive mind. Um, so I, I could definitely see that. And Jameis Winston is their starting quarterback right now. So they could definitely, I'm sure, be, I'm sure they're definitely grateful to welcome a guy like Tom Brady. Yeah, I there. think the Jameis Winston ship has finally sailed. Oh, he did throw over 30 touchdowns passes. So. Did he have the most pass yards in the league? He did, yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe he, and that's that, either him or Prescott. Yeah, they were both up there. I think the last two years, Winston's been either one or two in pass yards the past two seasons. Is he just in the wrong scheme? I think he, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure about him. If, it, if it's just the fact that he has good receivers and that he, because he throws 30 interceptions, so it's it's hard to say what if he was on a team with lesser talent at, at the end for wide receiver, like if he would be able to, do something if he can make things happen, or if it's just he's benefiting from, like Kyle said, uh, Goodwin and or Godwin and Mike Evans. It's really hard to tell. To, to answer your question, I I truly believe he's going to stay put in New England. I think um, there it it makes the most sense, and New England doesn't have an answer if he leaves. I don't know what New England does at quarterback if he were to leave. They have. Um, Jared Stinham, um, an unproven young dude. Good job. Um, and other than that, they have nobody. Um, there is a lot of quarterbacks in free agency this year, so they could, you know, plug a guy in and draft somebody for the future. But I just, I don't think Tom Brady would leave the Patriots hanging like that. And, uh, for, you know, for everything that, it goes both ways. Everything that Tom Brady has given the Patriots and everything the Patriots have given to Tom Brady, I just feel like it's it's almost his obligation to stay put. Yeah, and it's so rare for a player to stay with the same team their entire career. Like that would be good for his legacy if he were to stay put the entire for the entirety of his career, don't you think? Yeah, do you remember Joe Namath? Um, heard of him. At the end of Yeah, who's at, that? Probably Joe. The end of his career, he went to the Rams, and not a lot of people know that. Uh, Johnny Unitas is another one. He 
ended his career uh, with the Chargers, I believe. And Joe so, Montana too. I mean, Joe Montana in Kansas City. It does. It does leave Brett Favre, of course. Um, that that does leave us a little bit of a stain on a player. I do believe if they have all so many years of success with one team and then finish their career. Now the heart, I get it. The heart wants they, these players have hearts. They want to play forever, and they'll do it no matter what. Um, but this case is a little different, and I just I don't think New England is prepared for Tom Brady to leave quite yet. So. That alone, I think Robert Kraft and and that brass up in New England is going to do a pretty good convincing job uh, to to keep him put. What do you think, Black Josh Brady? He's staying put. He's staying put. That's all there is to it. Just for fun, I'm saying he's going to Vegas. Giselle wants to be in Vegas. Giselle goes money. to Vegas every time she's got a photo shoot. Yeah, they've got enough money that they can fucking live at opposite ends of the world and still see each other more than fucking anybody else. Yeah, you're probably right. He's probably staying in New England. and But there's probably a lot of negotiations. It's probably sit, him sitting in that room with Kraft and Bilicek and saying, get me some fucking wide receivers, you motherfuckers, now. Oh, they need they need help, yeah. And, 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 and on, on that note, if... The Patriots do not bring in people to help Tom Brady out. That is the scenario that I see where Tom Brady walks. Agreed. Yeah, that's, that's Green Bay's in the same boat. Yeah, Green Bay's in the we same boat. We need receiver help too. Yeah. You know, and if we have another year that is mediocre, uh, we start. You got to start wondering: Is Aaron Rodgers going to want to stick around? Probably not. No, you know? he wants to win. So this is a this is a common problem. All the bad teams, it seems, have the best receivers. That is kind of funny. <laughs> it's crazy. <clears throat> All right. So as we were saying, twenty twenty has brought us a lot of good and some bad. So next, I want to talk about the bad and what the what's going to happen as a repercussion. So we we mentioned the Packers. Well, so far in 2020, we've seen the bad. We've seen the Packers be embarrassed in the NFC title game. Um, this week, they let go of their wide receivers coach, Alvis Whithead, or Whitted, and thank God he's gone because obviously he couldn't get that shit figured out. They also hired a DB coach, Jerry Gray. He was with Minnesota for the last... Great hire. Great hire. He, was the co- he coached DBs in Minnesota for the last six years. And from 2014 until last year, the... Um, they were seventh in the NFC for a opposing passer rating. They were number two in points per game allowed, and they had the third fewest passing touchdowns in the NFL. So I think we can all agree that's an improvement. Anybody got any thoughts on the Packers and what they got to do to take the next step? I'm going to start with you, Black Josh. I think they get for we're talking the Packers, right? The Packers. They got to get some wide receivers, and they got to get some defense going. Well, linebackers, right? Yeah, I think they need the most help at linebacker. I still don't think that Blake Martinez should go anywhere. Um, I just want to throw this out there. I'll get to everybody still, but Greg Olson just parted ways with the Panthers. Do we go after Greg Olson for tight end? No. 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 Too old, huh? Definitely. Not. Age, yeah. We already tried that with Jimmy Graham. No. I think yeah. Greg Olson's been hurt, like, Every year for the past five years or something. Yeah, no, I don't think they should do that at all. I think they need to get a nice, younger, decent tight end. 
Um, I don't. We for the most for the last bunch of years, we really haven't utilized the tight end position for anybody. For really. passing, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I don't know what the hell they're thinking, but we need one who can block and catch. Yeah, we need a Travis Kelsey. Killer Kyle, what do you think? Packers next steps. What do they got to do? Well, there's a few. Um, yeah, I wasn't done. Uh, I'm sorry. I I don't I don't think Blake Martinez is coming back, boys. I uh, and I I'm I think it's time to move on. I think Blake Martinez would be phenomenal coming off the bench um, as a backup a little further down the depth chart. I just don't think he's starter material. I understand he's a tackle machine, but those stats are very misleading. A lot of his tackles happen after a play has already been made, whatnot. Um, so you're going to need to you're going to need to figure out a new strategy at middle linebacker. That those inside that inside linebacker, especially if they stick with a three four defense, you you need solid dudes uh, that can block that are can defend the run. Um, I think our secondary is intact. I, I liked Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. We haven't had that in a long time. I think our corners are developing good. Obviously, the wide receivers on the offensive side of the ball, there's got something's got to happen. Um, outside of Devontae Adams, <laughs> Alan Lazard's the only guy that showed anything, um, and he's—I don't think he's ready to be a number two receiver. You need—you need a solid number two. I've said this before. Uh, Robbie Anderson in New York is going to be available, and he would be an awesome pickup. Um, the tight end position, Jay Sternberger showed a lot of promise at the end of the season. He spent most season on IR. I think he'll be good. Um, I think Tanyan will be good too, but they still need some veteran leadership there. I hope Mercedes Lewis comes back. He actually played pretty decent this year, but Jimmy Graham's got to go. Um, it's it just, his. it's over. It's over for him. He's washed up. Um, the offensive line needs some work. I don't, Brian Blog is a free agent. I don't know if he's going to come back, but you're going to have to address the right side of the line. I wasn't impressed with Billy Turner. I think he's super overrated. Um, and if Balaga goes, they brought in Jared Valdir, but he came out of retirement. I don't see him coming back. Uh, so that right side of the offensive line is important. And um, those are the main parts. Uh, and, and we don't even know if Mason Crosby will come back, so we might need a kicker. Got to keep Crosby, I think, personally. The rest can go. I hope so. I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, Black Josh, you said you, you weren't done speaking. I want to I get the last of your thoughts on the Packers. They need some help at offensive line also. Yeah. We need some help protecting Rodgers. For sure. He can't be back there taking hits. No quarterback can handle that. That's definitely improved over the past couple of years, though. Wouldn't you say? I didn't see him running no. for his life quite as much. I don't. They drafted good. I think they drafted good. As well. I, I Jenkins at left guard was a complete surprise, and he basically kicked Lane Taylor out of out of the organization. Right. He was good. Uh, uh, Seamus, your thoughts on the Green Bay Packers and what they can do to improve? Well, I think the the high, the, the the cornerbacks coach thing is a good hire. I think that's really gonna allow us to improve the secondary without having to make any moves, which will allow them to make some moves maybe at 
you know, the linebacker position, maybe bring in somebody, you know, maybe to see if we if they can't find a tight end or to improve the receiving core. I, there are moves that need to be made. It's just a matter of which ones the organization puts the most importance on and how quickly you can see a return on whatever the investment is going to be. Um, I I want to I want to be able to say at least as a as a Wisconsin resident and therefore a a fan of state sports, you know, I want I want to say that they, that they have the ability to turn it around, um, and especially with what I thought was unfortunately an embarrassing performance in the NFC title game, you you got to figure something out. Yeah. But I I think if if they if they look at everything, you know. Make a make a move here, make a move there. Tweak this, tweak that. You know, you can you can see a real big positive turn for the 2020-21 season. I think so. I think the Packers are right there. Except there's there's that hump you got to tackle, and that's the this San Francisco team that just seems like the complete package. And if you can't compete with them, you can't compete with shit in the NFC because they are stacked on every side of the ball. Black Josh brought up a good stat. We were talking about Blake Martinez, and this is. This is a, a big stat that really shows how improductive he really is. He had five tackles for loss in 2019. Five. Yeah, how many total tackles? Yeah, how many total tackles? You got that, Black Josh? It's embarrassing. Uh, let's see here. Dude. Combined, he had... S- 155. <laughs> so he had 97 solo tackles. Okay, so I mean... He... Butch! Yeah. Let me address one thing you said. Um, you're talking about, you know, we that hump being the 49ers. That's all in good, but you got to be really careful with that because teams turn around in the NFL so quick. The 49ers are a perfect example. In 2018, they won four games. Four games. And granted, Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt, but they went from a 4-12 team to now a Super Bowl team. Um, and, and the year before that, it was the Rams. Everybody was trying to figure out how to stop McVay. But look what happened. They didn't even make the postseason this year. So, like, these turn, you just don't know if the 49ers can can keep this up, um, what they're doing, and you never know what team. I mean, sure, Tampa Bay could come up right. if they make a couple of right moves, and they could be the 49ers of this year. Right, you just right. never know in the NFL, and that's what I love about football is you just never know. Right, and, but, and, but I mean, at the same coin, the Packers were bad. They were good. They could be bad again next year. I mean, it's it, we, had a, yep. we had a relatively easy schedule this year for the most part. And it could be worse. It could be tougher next year. You never know. Like you said, it, that's the competitive balance of the NFL that makes it different than you know baseball or basketball, especially basketball, where it's like one team is. I mean, there's always like the four most dominant teams, and the rest are just pretenders. Um, moving on, we're going to go back to the good. We're going to get back to the optimism. So the Brewers had a very solid reliever in David Phelps. I think that was a, a very genius move. I think it cost uh, 1.25 million is nothing, and if he performs well, there's a 4.5 million team option for him for 2021. 
um, in his career. He's got a 386 ERA and 588 innings pitched to over 269 appearances. Um, and he had 9.44 strikeouts per nine innings in his career. That's or actually last year. That's an incredible stat. So that means every nine innings, he's he's averaging over a strikeout per inning. So what do you guys think of the, the ad in David Phelps to bolster this bullpen that's been very, very good for us the past two seasons? I'm going to start with you, Seamus, on this one. I, I like the pickup. Um, a lot of people will say, and, and the, the term that I've used to describe a lot of the Brewers' moves the last couple of years, it's not sexy, but the, the Brewers... The Brewers and David Stearns, the one thing that I've noticed over the last couple of years is that even if we want them to be, the David Stearns-run Brewers are not going to be a sexy team. They're going to be a methodical team. They're going to be a team with purpose, with focus, and a mission. And pieces like David Phelps are only going to do um, are only going to reinforce that kind of a mindset that that's going on in the, the front offices of Miller Park, soon to be Amfam Field. Right, and I and I just want to point out, I don't want to brag or anything. I saw David Stern speak earlier this week, and that was something that he talked about. He said, "When we have a process, especially when it's working, we stick to that. That's that's how the Brewers organization is run, and that's how it's worked the past two years, and it's brought us to back to back playoff appearances. So why?" Why change course now? Uh, Killer Kyle, uh, you have any thoughts on the David Phelps signing? It's a good pickup. I, I like seeing bullpen acquisitions. The, the, the team strives on a strong bullpen, and they have the last couple of years. It's it's the the comfort of knowing you can go into these latter innings of a game and feel pretty comfortable winning, especially if they have a lead going into the fifth inning plus. So, um, yeah, I think his his stats speak for themselves. I, I hope he works out and becomes um, a dependable guy in the bullpen because the Brewers are going to need a solid bullpen to have success again this year. Yeah, especially because the way they kind of play is they don't keep their pitchers in very late unless they're like being extremely dominant. So I mean, exactly. we, we rely so much on the bullpen, and if David Stearns thinks that you keep staying the course that we've gone the last two years, well, then that's going to be the same thing we're going to see this year with our starters. Um, happy birthday to Brett Anderson, new acquired, newly acquired Brewer starter. Um, Black Josh, you're oh, happy birthday, thirty-two years old. Black Josh, Want some your birthday thoughts? spankings. <laughs> Black Josh, your thoughts on uh, David Phelps? I like it. I love it. Yeah, he's an ex. I have a question. Is he related to Michael Phelps Swimmer? I'm going to go with yes. I'm going to go with no. Seamus, do you have the tiebreaker? Seamus is looking it up as we speak. He probably is. <laughs> or did we lose him? And by the way, I love how Seamus says it's not sexy. That cracked me up. Yeah, it is kind of something that he tends to point out. Seamus, you around... And it- in his voice, it's just perfect. Right. Yeah, and he and he's not wrong. I mean, we're not, we're not, we don't make the big splash moves, and I think that's what he means by we're not sexy. We're we're not making these sexy signings. So, um, yeah, he ain't wrong about that. Um, so I want to switch back to the bad, and I want to keep it on Brewers baseball. So the bad news 
coming in 2020 so far. The worst news that we've we've gotten is uh, Luis Sirius, our newly acquired shortstop or middle or right left side of the field. Oh. He's going to miss six to eight weeks with a fresh a fractured left hamate. Somebody asked. Yeah. Somebody asked what? Somebody asked the question. I'm begging you to ask. How did he hurt his hammy? No, hamate. What? Hamate. What the hell's that? That's what I was looking for. A hamate is a carpal bone on lower outside edge of hand. It's a tiny little bone on the pinky side of your hand. Does this, uh, is this similar to like turf toe for NFL? <laughs> so is this like dirt hand or something? It's fractured, so I mean, I think it's a legit injury. And if you're going to be swinging a bat and playing short, I think, uh, I think you got to... But is it on his throwing hand or his glove hand? I believe it's on his left hand, so it's not. It's his throwing hand that would be. Seamus, are you there? He's not there. Um, so he may not make it. Real joke. quick, the way you said that, have you guys seen the Joker movie? Yeah, unfortunately. No. When he's at towards the end, when the Joker's uh, sitting there with Murray Franklin doing the interview, he always said his name like. Murray. Yeah, he does say that's it, what Murray. that. <laughs> Murray. Murray. That's what that injury sounded like. It's like a Murray. Yeah, Hammate. Um, Murray. So, yes, he's not going to make it. Where's tel- Seamus? We, we're trying to get get him back. He's delivering pineapples to Indonesia or something. On a it's not sexy. <laughs> Seamus, it's not sexy that you keep leaving us. It's not sexy. <laughs> He's not, I thought he was back. He's not. He's not. Um, so, Urias, he's not going to make it to opening day. He's going to miss all of spring training. That sucks. But in winter ball in Mexico, he was playing up until January 6th when he uh, got this injury. He was batting 288 um, with a 458 slugging percentage. His on base was 400. He was looking really good. But it looks like at least until he comes back, it's RC's job. So, I mean, let's see if He's RC- not going to be out that long. He'll, well, I mean, we're, we're going to RC through all the spring training. We're going to see if RC learned to hit. And at least for opening day, we're going to see RC as our uh, starting shortstop. So yeah, but who the fuck cares about spring training, really? It's fun. I love spring training. But it doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't mean anything. I I'm, don't care if they lose every game in spring training. <laughs> to be honest. Honestly, no. If you win spring training, it doesn't mean anything. Seamus, it's not sexy when you leave us. I don't know what the hell happened, gentlemen. I do apologize. My wife Thanks. I kicked out. Thanks a lot. Did you say your wife kicked you out? My wife I kicked out. <laughs> I thought he said his wife kicked him out too. <laughs> no, that that happened that happened a few years ago. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wah, wah, wah. Best decision of her life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I I have never been more grateful to her for doing it. <laughs> We're all grateful to her for doing it. Thank you. Thank you to Seamus' wife. All right, so we're going to switch. Ex-wife. Send money, send news. (laughs) So we're going to switch back to the good. Um, And that is, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks. They got a 41-7 record. I want to focus on Middleton a little bit. He made the All-Star Game roster. That's fucking awesome. The Bucks continue to dominate. Middleton put up 51 points the other night on Tuesday's game, 10 rebounds. It was a career high. They also scored 88 in the first half of that game, which is also a... uh, a franchise record. Um, Middleton's averaging a career high of 20.2 points per game. That's a career best. And he's also 50.3% from the field, um, 43.2% from uh, the three-point line. That's the fifth in the East. And he's shooting 90% from the free-throw line. So Middleton having possibly his career year. And um, 
The Bucks, their record in January, 11-2. and two. They only lost two games. They dropped one to the Nuggets last night in a heartbreaker, 127-115. to 115. But they're still poised to be the best team in basketball. I mean, they, they, they got – there's nobody in the East that even compares. I'm going to shoot to you, Killer Kyle. The Bucks, 2020. I, All right, I, have a, well, I have a question first. Yeah. Isn't Chris Middleton the one that Killer Kyle doesn't like and wanted to get rid of? Yeah, he hates him. Oh, that's good. He hates Aaron Rodgers, too. But Killer Kyle, your take. Yeah, Middleton's quietly, like, doing things because he's not, <laughs> to quote Seamus, it's not sexy. <laughs> he's not sexy. <laughs> it, it's, no, it's, I, I mean, yeah, it's great. I, I'm a little bummed that Eric Bledsoe didn't make it. I thought we could have had three All-Stars this year uh, because the Bucks have the best record, and it's because of the, and Bledsoe's defense is, like, bar none, like, there's, there is a team that's scaring me. It's the Toronto Raptors. They have been playing really good um, the last few weeks, um, and I think they're going to be uh, a pain in our ass again. Um, but I do believe the Bucks are better. Yeah, back to Middleton. Um, yeah, well deserved. Whatever. He got paid a lot of money. He should be putting up these numbers. I mean, the the Bucks paid him a shit ton of money. Um, Apparently, right so, so yeah. Well, that's a lot. He's he's making more than Giannis right now. He's earning his keep, though. I mean, he's proving that he he's uh, he's worthy of the money. He's no, in. what it no he he has phenomenal chemistry with Giannis, and and it I am glad to see that it's working and the investment seems to be worth it. I mean, but but. I won't be completely sold until we make the finals. Yeah, I'm with you too. <laughs> Are you on Middleton or the team in general? Just Middleton. Both. Both. So you're no, gonna blame it on Middleton. Need... You're gonna blame it on Middleton they... if they don't make the finals. Yep. The Bucks need to make the finals. They need to start fucking winning. Wisconsin's gotta stop being the damn bridesmaid of the country. And they need to be the fucking bride. It's about time a Milwaukee team win or a Wisconsin team in general wins something again. And this Bucks team is the belt like they're breaking records. They they have to go this year. Have to. Yeah, they, I agree. I mean, it's it's make or break time for this team. You can't win all season. Have one of the you know best. You know, your first in offense, first in defense. Your bench is the best in basketball. Do that all season and then fuck it up like some Golden State Warriors team did a couple of years ago. And I, I, I completely agree. And it, and Tuesday's night's game, I mean, granted, it was against the, the Washington Wizards, a 15-30 and 30 team coming into that game. Granted, it was against a shit team. But they were so dominant. Bledsoe put up, I think, 36 points in that game, too, on top of Middleton's 51 that he put up. And um, the Wizards had a guy who scored 50 points, and they still managed to win that game and, and did it pretty pretty. In, in a good fashion. I mean, and putting up 88 in the first half. They're, they're blowing teams out when they need to. That that game last night hurt. They, they I would have loved to have seen them go 12-1 and one in the month of January. But so far, this year has been very kind to the Bucks. They're looking very good. Any fi- final thoughts from anyone on the Bucks before we move on? Nope, I'm done with it. Done with it? It was a tough loss last night. Um, it, they had a, a good team come into Pfizer, like a credible team in the Nuggets. Who, again, not sexy. They're definitely not sexy. Their best player is 
a behemoth in Chokic. Um, but they made a statement against the Bucks. It was interesting that they started the Nassus into Canoe yeah, Ball last the, night. First time the brothers started together. Yeah, I really liked that. Um, he should get more playing time. They, they. This is the thing. The Bucks have this luxury now that they can kind of play around a little bit with their roster. And they can have games because they have the best depth in the league, period. Their depth is... I mean, we've talked about this before. You, you could take five guys off the bench, and they're going to start on probably more than half of any other NBA roster. So um, it was really cool to see that. Um, the Bucks have that luxury. They can do this now. Um, but ugh, regular season is the regular season. We need to see... Um, we need to see results. And my God, I'm looking at Paul Tag- Tagliabue, the former NFL commissioner. He's getting elected to the Hall of Fame, and he looks—he looks old. We've been he looks t- like he's dead, like he's dying. We've been talking a lot tonight about what's sexy, what's not sexy. What is sexy? I, I'm talking sports. What teams are sexy? We've talked about so many teams that are not sexy. The Bucks don't look sexy. The Brewers don't look sexy. The, the- no, the Bucks do look sexy. The Nuggets didn't look sexy. They, they don't look sexy. I thought you said they weren't sexy, the Bucks. Bucks are sexy. No, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's not sexy. No, there's nothing sexy about him. Giannis, Kyle Corvus, Pat Connington, those white boys are pretty damn sexy. I think DiVincenzo's sexy. Yes, he is, and he gets a lot of punani. <laughs> look at that mustache. Burt Reynolds is sexy. <laughs> oh, Tom Selleck is sexy. We're watching, uh, what movie is this? Mr. Baseball. Mr. Baseball. We're watching Mr. Baseball and Tom Selleck. Yeah, Tom Selleck? Yep. Tom Selleck's naked in a bathtub right now. And if you're talking. I bet se- Seamus gets a lot of punini. Seamus, what's sexy? As far as sports goes? Yeah, what's, the, um, what's sexy? No, as far as you I, go. Well, I'm not sexy, so I wouldn't know. Yes, but, you are. <laughs> I did. No, um, <laughs> chemistry is sexy. Um, so the Tampa Bay Rays, the are right atti- the right attitude is sexy. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Rays are a sexy team. I agree. I they've, think is they've David got Stern sexy. No, no. You just not even not in a nerdy way. Look at that picture. There's nothing good in that picture. I'm no, not sexy. he looked chopped in that picture, Butch. Holy cow. Has he been digging in Ryan Braun's stash? Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> but no, chemistry, um, team unity. You know, like, do you, you brought up the race, and that's a perfect example. Uh, as far as baseball goes, a clubhouse of 25 guys that – whether they're high-paid talent or making the league minimum, it doesn't matter. They're all there. They, they got each other's back. And the way that they win is, is such that it looks like they know exactly what they're doing. And the, the chemistry allows them to look like they're on cruise control. The Brewers... They haven't done a lot of sexy moves, and yeah, we've had success and we've made the postseason the last couple of years, but the last couple of years, 
even when we even when we're winning ball games, we never looked like we were on cruise control. It never looked easy. Yeah, I'd say even I in think September. that's the di- even in September. I think when they that's the game. difference. Okay. Right. I think that's the difference that. between what a sexy team is and what what's not sexy in sports. I think they look pretty much on cruise control in September. There was a lot of games, yeah, that they, they were on fucking fire. There was games too that like were they were losing in the eighth inning and they found a way to come back. I guess that is sexy. Yeah, how is that not sexy? I guess that is sexy. Um, you know what I think is sexy? Um, I think Mookie Betts in a Dodgers uniform is sexy. What do you think about that, Seamus? Wow. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's happening. Sounds like it's happening. What do you think about that? <laughs> what do you think about that? What do I think about it? I, I, I think... He wants to shoot himself. I kind of do. That hurts. And, and I, I don't, I don't want to sound like a complete homer, even though I know when it comes to the Red Sox, I am. Mookie Best to the Dodgers is not good for baseball. Huh? Sounds like it's good for baseball. I think the Dodgers are good for baseball. Mookie Betts staying in Boston is just as good for baseball as Mike Trout never leaving Anaheim. I agree. Mike Trout never leaving leaving Anaheim is the way it should be. But the Red Sox are on a down skid. Mookie Betts deserves to be in a winning team. The Red Sox will be a winning team. When? Yeah, exactly. Mike Trout, Mike Trout. Mike Trout deserves to be on a winning team, and he all he's winning is MVPs. They're building that and team. money. That team's getting there. They're at least getting there. They're at least on the up. They got Rendon now. Yeah, yeah, they got Rendon. I mean, I, they're, they're making the moves they need to make. I don't see the Angels making the postseason this year. Maybe not this year. Oh, but that's a the, bold take. I don't see the Red Sox making it either. They're going. I don't. I don't either. But I've also got. I think it's the Angels' year since. 2004, I've got one, oh, two, God. three. I've got four parades in, in my lifetime. And that was sexy. I'm okay if the, and I'm okay with the Red Sox not making a postseason in, in 2020 if we're able to keep Mookie Betts in uniform. If we, if we can keep him, even if we still have to rebuild, I'm okay with going through a, going through a dry spell. Well, but I, I don't think the Red Sox getting rid of Mookie is a good move. I, I, it just seems like it's inevitable at this point. It really does. It sounded like the Padres. Now it sounds like it's almost for sure the Dodgers. But then again, you, you know, I mean, Nolan Arenado didn't go anywhere. So, um, yeah. That's I, mean, a- I, I, I get that Mookie and the organization are, according to reports, like $100 million apart yeah. in figuring this out. Yeah. But... I, I think I Ryan Braun is something can be done for baseball. I agree with that one. But what did you say, Seamus? I like I said, even though I think they're even though I think the reports say they're a hundred million dollars apart, I still think something can get done. Something can. It's just it, there's just too much hype that to, for me not to think that it, there's actually something to it. Like to your point, Killer Kyle, I think Braun should have been on the Dodgers years ago. I'm glad he had a great yes. year last us last year for us, but it just. That always seemed inevitable to me, and he said that he. There's been talks that he said he wants to be in LA with the Dodgers, and it, I mean, he and just to, to point it out, he did say that 2020 may be his last season, um, which I think. We're I all, don't don't buy into stock to that. That's all shit talk. 
I don't. I think he'll play a couple more years. Yeah, maybe. I, I he's got to be comment, able to afford his crack addiction. So <laughs> I think that comment was made to lay the groundwork for a departure from Milwaukee. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think he's going to retire. I hope so. Black Josh, you think he's going to retire? I think he's going to retire before he loses all his stock. Yeah. You think he wants to go out, I mean, not necessarily on top, but at least, you know, hitting yeah. over 230? Yes. <laughs> okay. Hey, no, I mean, that. I think all all those possibilities are very are and, very likely. And if he retires with the Brewers, you know they're going to fucking retire his number. Yeah. He doesn't need uh, the money anymore. I don't like that. Yeah, he doesn't need the money. Yeah, I don't like the she, number. You, you guys don't know that. He, they will. <laughs> yes, he's making a lot of money. Um, yeah, and how much is he spending? Although he is making a lot of babies, and they're kind of expensive, too. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers needs the money, too. He just spent $30 million on a villa in California. But he's one of the top players in the NFL. He's making plenty of money. Yeah, he's. that was pocket change for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, pocket change. I don't know. He's with Danica Patrick now. Yeah, I don't know what that point. has to do with anything. She likes money. How do we know that? She has money. Yeah, she has her own money. I think he's broke. <laughs> you think he, Aaron Rodgers is broke? Yes. Hey, that's a hot take. Wow. He's broke. That might literally be the dumbest thing I've heard on this podcast. You guys send money to Aaron Rodgers. I'm pretty sure. You heard it Rogers. here first, ladies and gentlemen. Aaron Rodgers has filed Chapter 11, according to Kyle. I think. I think we need to start a GoFundMe for uh, Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick. I think we should start a GoFundMe for wide receivers for Green Bay. How about that? Yeah. Look, so many signs that they're struggling. I. I mean, they have an expensive mortgage now. I'm sure they're contemplating children, and. You know, like, Danica Patrick's doing all these, like, podcasts and weird shit on the side. That's a sign of them struggling. <laughs> I don't think there's any way in hell that Aaron Rodgers is struggling financially, but... Yeah, not even I, I think he's broke. He's got all these commercials with State Farm. He's one of the... He was Exactly. At one point Why is he doing all he's, these commercials? He's, he's, got partial owner, he's got partial ownership in the, in the best basketball yeah. team yeah. in the country he this year. less than a 1% share of the Bucks. He's still getting a check. He's still one so. of the top ten highest paid players in, in football after that contract he signed. Yeah. I mean, have has anybody caught on to my sarcasm here yet? Or am I like did you really buy oh, that? Oh go ahead, explain the joke, Kyle. Thanks for ruining it for the <laughs> listeners. I should've I should have just I should have kept going. You should have sorry. Going. You just ruined yeah. the whole We're gonna start we're gonna we're gonna scrap this and start re recording. Good. Just kidding. All right. Um. So we've gone over the good and the bad and the good and the bad and the good and the bad. But now I want to talk about the ugly. And don't talk about me when I'm on the show. <laughs> the I ugly. thought he was talking about me. <laughs> I'm talking Are about you both ugly. I'm talking about David Stearns. <laughs> you all ugly. No, the ugly that I'm referring to is the dumpster fire of baseball. That is. The Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about the fucking something else. We are talking the ugly is the Pittsburgh Pirates. So now, after trading Starling Marte, the Pirates will enter the 2020 season with a total payroll of approximately $59 million. Now, 
This year, Mike Trout himself is going to make $35.5 million. David Price is going to make 31. Kershaw is going to make 31. Machado is going to make 30. There's there's players upon players who are going to make pretty pretty damn close to what the entire Pirates payroll is. They don't give a shit. Their ownership does not give a shit about this team. There were fans th- threatening to boycott the team in 2017, not even go to the games because they wanted changes, and they they traded away Garrett Cole for Christ's sake, or they like they let Garrett Cole go, who was clearly ascending and now is one of the top five pitchers in all of baseball. And he last year he was probably the best pitcher in baseball. I was say, he might be he's top three for sure. Yeah, I mean, just one of the best. It's, it started when they. When they let McCutcheon go. Yeah, and they let McCutcheon go, who was a franchise player. He was the face of the organization for many years. No team has spent less this offseason in free agency than Pittsburgh. They were already a bad team, and now they're not doing any moves in, in free agency. Bob Nutting, who was the team owner, he took over in 2007, and since he's took, taken over, they've had the sixth worst record in baseball. Yet the team's value, this is the interesting point, they're so bad. But yet, somehow, the team's value has gone up from from two hundred seventy four million to one point three billion dollars. Granted, there's inflation in play here, but that means he's just sitting on all this money and not spending anything. They got the lowest payroll in baseball. Their 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 value has gone up by like three hundred percent since he's taken over. Yet they're not spending at all. That means this guy is just sitting on all this money. Somebody needs to step in. Is there a way that baseball can fix this? I want to talk about the Pirates guys, because this is astounding that Bob Bob Nutting has making this taken this team and just just shit all over the city the fine city of Pittsburgh. It was a really good sports town. And like I'll just repeat it one more time. The team's value has gone from two hundred seventy four million to one point three billion, yet they still have the lowest payroll and refuse to spend any money. What do you guys think about this? I'm gonna start with you, Seamus. What I think needs to happen with Pittsburgh is the league needs to step in and due to Pittsburgh, what it did to Montreal, when Montreal fought like hell to prevent it from happening. Take the fucking team away. Move the team. Yeah, threaten the team. Threaten to move them. That's actually a good solution. Montreal has been begging for a team since the Expos left. Take the Pirates and give Montreal back a ball club. But the the Pirates being such a storied organization, that's going to be tough. I mean, you're going to have a lot of blowback. Montreal didn't have the kind of history that Pittsburgh had. You know what I mean? Montreal, Montreal should have been, had, had it not been for the strike, I still believe, and I will go to my grave saying this, had it not been for the strike, Montreal would have been the best team in baseball in 1994. Yeah, they probably would have finally had their chance to, to win a World Series. I agree. They would, have, they would have won a World Series. It would have changed the face of baseball in Canada. And you, you'd walk in, you'd be able to go through Montreal and not just have it be a hockey town. Um, I think Montreal was done a great disservice. By, now, I know you're talking about the Pirates, but I'm bringing this up because this, just just follow me through on this because it is related. I think Montreal was done a great disservice by, by having their team plucked away from them. Um, this last year with the Nationals winning the World Series, I guarantee you that there are still people in Montreal that feel that that should have been their title. You've got... A city like that, who 
it's a that community is a very pro sports community. Granted, all they have is hockey, but that's a pro sports community. You have a lot of pro sports communities across this country and in Canada that want a ball club, and you've got an ownership group like Nutting in Pittsburgh that does not give two shits about his team, the the people they employ, the city they play for. And I think it is a disgrace to baseball. Almost as big of a disgrace, if maybe not bigger, than the whole sign stealing bullshit. Because you've got a you've got a you've got a you've got a city that wants baseball. You have a and you mentioned the history of the Pirates. You have a city that has known good baseball. And they are forced to suffer through some of the worst baseball played in the last decade. So, so what, your suggestion it's, is it's take just it crazy. away? Yeah. Take it away from the fans take, who are being... No, take being, it away from the ownership. Take it away from the ownership. Well, if you move the team, you're taking it away from the fans who have been suffering already since 2007. If Well, if nobody steps up in Pittsburgh to challenge nutting, you might have to move the team. Well, hey, if you But take it away from him and keep the... Make the focus to try and, you know, make the focus to keep baseball in Pittsburgh, but you got to get rid of those those people that are sitting in the, in a big fucking sway back leather chairs. Those guys are not doing anything for that city. The problem is I don't think that they're breaking any rules, and that's what sucks about it. Like, I'm saying that maybe Major League Baseball should have rules about this. Like, when if you if your team value goes up and you're not spending, there should be something that, some sort of order, executive order that comes and steps in and says, hey, you're not spending on this team and you're just pocketing all this cash. I don't know what could be done about it, but I don't think, maybe threatening to move the team, but that's just going to piss off fans more that are already being shit on by this ownership group. Does anybody else have any thoughts? we got two minutes left. Uh, not that I can fit in in two minutes. Okay. Just ramble. Just say something. I want to hear what you think. I don't think that I don't think MLB can take a team away and move it just on a whim. Like I don't think it's up to them. Yeah, they did it with my, they did it with the Expos. Well, that was that was Jeffrey Loria, Loria, and that was his decision. That wasn't Major League Baseball. I don't. Yeah, I don't think baseball can just say, "Hey, well, you know what? We're going to take your team and we're going to move them over here, and we don't give a fuck what you say." I don't think that's how it works. Sorry. Yeah, Killer Kyle, what do you think? Real quick. Doesn't it feel like Major League, the movie, a little bit? No. Think about it. I mean, what you have a you have an owner. Like, okay, so in the movie, the owner um, doesn't want the team to win because they want to move them. So she's trying to get up and go, and hires all these like bums, and well. The story of it all is they end up winning right. a pennant or something. But it kind of feels like that. Montreal, the name Expos, is one of the best team names ever. And their logo and uniforms will go down in history as some of the best uniforms ever. I as, still have an Expos hat. It's almost as good as the name the New York Metropolitans, eh? All right. But hey... People, that's our talk on the ugly. We're not going to focus on Pirates baseball probably at all for the rest of the year 2020, so you can thank us for that. Um, We're going to be right back, and we're going to come back with our Super Bowl preview. Special, spectacular. How about that? We'll see you in a few. Uh. All right.
Good fucking. Oh. <laughs> You know what that sound means? We back. Part two of our extended coverage here. Big game tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Five tool podcast. Super Bowl coverage. We let it vibe. You're such a goof butcher. Me? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Mystical had a really, really nice short career. We're back. Ooh. Mystical. That's, that's one way to describe his career. <laughs> Hit me with a dick in my hands. <laughs> that's the best line from a song ever. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, we're back. 5-2 Podcast. Um, we hope you enjoyed the first hour of the show. We are going to be talking Super Bowl now because the big game's tomorrow. Chiefs and some other team that nobody cares about. And <laughs> the Joe Bowl. Oh, God damn. <laughs> so the Super Bowl's upon us. Uh, big game tomorrow. Lots to talk about. Chiefs versus 49ers. Um... I want to get some early thoughts um, on this. Uh, Black Josh, you, just some early takes on the game tomorrow. What do you think? What do you think? I think Garoppolo's going to choke. I, I shouldn't even say he's going to choke. So like we were saying before, um, I think that both, both teams are going to take a couple of drives to get settled in. Are we, are we good over there? Or? Is everyone good? Everyone good? Yeah, yeah what's going on? There was some noise. Um... Yeah, both teams I think are going to take a little bit to get settled in due to just, you know, nerves and everything else, being the Super Bowl and whatnot. But I think it's going to take Garoppolo longer to get settled in, and by the time he does get settled in, Patty Mahomes is going to be settled in and have already put up 24. And I think once they get up that much, I think that's the fucking game right there. Kill Kyle, what do you think of Black Josh's take? Uh, I wasn't paying attention. Um, I think it's going to be... Uh high-scoring game. I think uh, the defenses are going to be exposed. Um, I don't think... I, well, I don't think Kansas City's going to be able to stop the rushing attack of San Francisco. I think that momentum's going to carry. Um, but then again, I don't think the 49ers are going to get to Mahomes either and, and keep up with the speed uh, that they have on that offense. So, you know, like I... I I believe that this will be the opposite of last year's Super Bowl. It was last year's Super Bowl is boring. Um, I think there was like a total of 20 points scored. Um, I don't think that will happen this year. I think uh, there will be over 70 points scored combined. Wow. And you can book that as a guarantee wow. um, in the game tomorrow. I'm putting a million dollars in Vegas on that, all right? I'm taking the over on points spread. You should. Take some Aaron Rodgers money. He's broke. I know. Make him take out a loan. He's been doing it. So. <laughs> Seamus, what do you think? And like all the people at the Cash App know Aaron Rodgers. They, they know, know him well. <laughs> yeah. 
Somebody Venmo him some money. Seamus, early thoughts on the big game tomorrow. I I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think there are going to be a lot of points scored. I don't know how many. Um, but I look at it as... My take is the 49ers have shown that they can come out quick with their run game. Kansas City has shown at times that they can sputter coming out of the gate. And if we see those things happen, I see San Francisco jumping up quick and not letting off the pedal. Interesting Hey, what did you, Seamus, what did you think about uh, Killer Kyle's thoughts that last year's Super Bowl was boring? It was. <laughs> it was so it, boring I don't remember it. I enjoyed it because my team came out on top, but it it did not have a lot of action, I agree. You and know what was even was, worse? I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, what was the, worse? So what was worse about that Super Bowl was Adam Levine's fake tattoos for the halftime show. I totally forgot about how I awful saw, that show was. I saw more of I, I saw that. more of Adam Levine during last year's Super Bowl halftime show than I ever wanted to and ever hoped to for the rest of my fucking life. Yeah, we, he had California tatted on his chest and it was so fake. Yeah, he, we saw more of Adam Levine last year than we saw of the Rams offense. Yeah, like way too much. That's a true statement. (laughs) Yeah, that was a terrible halftime show. It was. Um, Horrible. Yeah, that was garbage. I want to talk about the offensive side of both teams real quick. And just some of the stats were really alarming to me. About These are strictly regular season stats. I'm not taking postseason into consideration. I realize that the postseason, you know, matters more, obviously, and it's it's tougher opponents. But just a glimpse at the regular season stats of each of these offenses, just a a few to go through. Chiefs were sixth in total offense with 379.2 yards per game, which is good for the Chiefs. They led the league last season, and to be you know top 10 in the league in offense is really good, but I didn't realize San Francisco's fourth with 381.1. Their offense was a very, very productive offense, on, and that's with the passing game, and that's with the running game as well. In points per game, Kansas City was fifth, 28.2, also very good, 28.2. To average 28 points a game, four touchdowns is very excellent. But San Francisco was not uh, was second in, in football with 29.9. And average yards per play, Kansas City was 6.2, and San Francisco was fifth with six. So, I mean, that's, that's virtually the same. Uh, so, in, in, so what I'm trying to say here is, which I didn't realize until I until I actually looked at these closely that San Francisco had a more productive offense this year than than the Chiefs and I feel like I should have known that but I didn't pay a lot of ten, of attention to San Francisco throughout the year. Um, Kyle, your thoughts on the offenses? Which do you think has the more powerhouse offense, San Francisco or Kansas City? Ooh, that's a tough question. They're both really good. Uh, Kansas City's got the speed. Um, with Nicole Hardman and Tyreek Hill and Damian Williams and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they have, uh, it's going to be really fun to watch because both teams have two of the best tight ends in the game, uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Um, I think that the tight end position is going to get a lot of action tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, Kansas City has the speed. San Francisco has the swagger. Um, they they seem to be clicking, and they are 
one of those teams that they can plug anybody in and they're going to produce. I mean, we're seeing guys that we've never heard of put up monster stats. Raheem Osert last uh, two weeks ago against uh, the Packers, unfortunately, like, just, I mean, blew up the stat line. Um, and their wide receivers are really underrated and good, too. Uh, Debo Samuel was a really good pickup for them in the draft. Um, Emmanuel Sanders picking him up midseason was a game changer. Um, provided some much-needed veteran leadership. And they got that guy Kedrick Bourne, who's really stepped up out of nowhere. Um, and they have George Kittle. And yeah. George Kittle's been playing hurt, and he's been phenomenal. Um I mean, it's it's just so tough to, like, say which one could be better because they're both so good and both teams are very deserving to be there. Yeah, I completely agree. And also the offensive line of San Francisco, I think, is much more dominant than that of KC. I mean, and and that showed. And, I mean, the Packers don't have a bad defensive line, but they were just so exposed by it. And that offensive line was pushing holes that were half the size of the field. And the way that San Francisco runs their offense is – They'll stack everybody on one side of the field. On the short side, if they're on the right hash mark, they'll stack everybody on that that short side of the field, and then they'll so that'll cause the DBs and the cornerbacks to all go to the that side of the field, and then they'll put Kittle on a slant route out to the left and 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 hit him. And so it's a very unique and a very um, modern type of offense that a lot of teams haven't been able to um, find ways to counter. Um, Seamus, I want to get your thoughts uh, on the offensive side for both teams who do you think has the edge on offense through the air I'm I think it's very very close in the air on the ground game I want to say you gotta you gotta give the edge to to San Francisco um Pat Mahomes is is versatile. He's he's a scrambler. He can move. His vision is great. Um, he does have receivers. He does have Travis Kelsey. He's got weapons, but at the same time, the the passing game of San Francisco, as you know, when, when you were looking at the numbers, they had a good offensive year. It's. I I think in the passing game it's very very equal, but on the running game I got to give the edge to San Francisco. Yeah, I agree, and and yeah, it, they're top five in basically every offensive category. And granted, KC's kind of up there in all those categories as well. But it, to me, it was a quiet, amazing year for that San Francisco offense. I always was like I said, I didn't watch a lot of their football till I had to, and man that. They're just so well balanced in every area, and they and guys are making plays that like like Killa Kyle alluded to that we haven't heard a lot of these guys. We don't know a lot of their names until this season, and now here they are in the big game in Miami. So, uh, Black Josh, your thoughts on the offense? Whose offenses of these teams? Who has the edge here? I still give it to Patty Mahomes. Just the things he can do is fucking incredible, and Jimmy Garoppolo can hand off a ball, so good for him. <laughs> Um, I don't know what else to say about Jimmy Garoppolo it. threw for almost 4,000 passing yards this year. That's true. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo also, I feel like, quietly had a really good season, and I wouldn't have guessed it. I mean, I, 
I think if he's, but, he's okay. But have you ever actually sat and watched one of his games other than the Packers game? No, I don't care about San Francisco. Yes. What about you, Killer Kyle? Yeah, he's on a lot of primetime games and like this. That's the not Seattle what I asked. Games. I asked if you actually watched really one. Well. Yeah, he throws the ball really well. And then I don't know what the hell games you're watching because that's not what I was watching. Because all the ones it's okay. that I, all you're the ones that I watched, your opinion. I I I think he's a, all, all a the ones very that I watched. His passes were not where they should have been. Granted, the receivers still caught them, but the passes themselves were not that good. He has until Emmanuel Sanders came up. He had one of the youngest wide receiver cores in the league. I mean. Uh, they were all that like the they were all one or two year guys. Emmanuel Sanders is literally the only veteran on that wide receiver course. So what he's been able to do with with those young dudes is super impressive. But is it really him, or and, is it more the receivers? Or the, if if the receivers can catch anything that's fucking thrown to them, whether it's where it should be or not, because I see a lot of times where they got to jump and stretch and. It's not like they were fucking in the chest mid-stride. They were doing a lot of having to go to the ball more than just having the ball come to them. In all fairness, Josh, when when Brett Favre was quarterback in the Green Bay Packers and he was at the height of his gunslinger, gunslinger days, he wasn't always the most accurate, but his receivers found ways to catch balls, and their ability to catch his throws improved his stat numbers and made him a great quarterback. But we can't really compare Jimmy Garoppolo. He had a 69% completion percentage this year. That is true, and that was actually higher than Pat Mahomes in completion percentage. That's pretty pretty darn good. He threw 27 touchdowns. He was uh, 22 yards short of a 4,000-yard season. We'll... I want to talk about quarterbacks a little bit later because I do I do have some takes on both I of mean, those. I mean, these two. are Pro Bowl-worthy numbers that he put up this year. Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's a bad quarterback, and he's he's taken control of this team in the past. I mean, he dealt with some injuries, and he's starting to take control of this team. I don't think he's. I still am yet to be convinced that he's elite talent in the quarterback position. And I think a lot of it is he's benefiting from Kyle Shanahan's brilliant offensive scheming, like I said, setting everybody up on one side of the hash mark and and throwing to the opposite side when there's only one cornerback over there. Um, but I want to get to the defense, and, that, and there's some also some startling stats, and this is, I think, where the the canyon of difference really starts to, to become evident. So in, for points against, Kansas City was 7th, um, San Francisco was 8th, that's pretty damn close. But here's where it really gets real is yards against. KC is 17th in football. They're on the bottom half of the league with teams putting up yards on them. San Francisco's second with only 281.8 total yards against them averaged throughout the entire season. Pass yards against alone, KC 8th. San Francisco was the best. They were only giving up an average of 170 yards per game from the air. And that's, that's the focal point of Kansas City's offense is their air attack. So if the, the number one passing defense in the league is going up against you, that's going to make it real tough for Patty Mahomes, and he's going to have to put up some of his theatrics and amazing plays. Rush yards against Kansas City was 26 against the rush, and that's San Francisco's strong suit on offense is that running game. And that concerns me too for Kansas City because they were one of the worst teams against the rush in the league. So I want to I 
talk about defense. Who's got the edge there? Black Josh, I'm going to come at you first. Defense, who's got the edge? Frisco's got the edge on defense. Definitely, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but like I said before also, though, you can't really – you can't take stats from the rest of the year. and You know what I mean? You can, but you can't. Because, like I said, the Super Bowl's a whole different ball game. People – a lot of people fucking step their game up for the Super Bowl. So – Guys that weren't making plays all year could all of a sudden just come up and make all the fucking plays. Just like Killer Kyle said earlier, that's the beauty of the NFL. You just never fucking know. Any given Sunday, right? Any given fucking Sunday. Seamus, I'm going to turn it over to you. Who's got the edge on defense and why? Here again, I, 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 look, at, I look at San Francisco having the edge. Um, they're, they're, a little, they're, they're a little bit quicker off of the line. Um... Their, their secondary is really, really good. Um, you know, you got Bosa coming at you from one side, and now that they're healthy, you got those other guys on, on the flip side. I just, I got to give the edge to San Francisco. Right, Kyle, your thoughts on defense? Yeah, if you break it down, I mean, San Francisco's front, like, front line, and their linebackers are unbelievable and uh, how they've been able to reload. Like, I, I was thinking about the uh, 2012 version of the 49ers who went to the Super Bowl as well. Um, and they had Patrick Willis, um, Alden Smith. Um, who was that? Carlos Peters, I think, uh, that corner. They had a stacked defense back then, and it's very similar but with all new guys, um, Eric Armstead is solid. Um, what's that guy in the front that they have, DeForest Buckner with Joey uh, Nick Bosa? I mean, those two guys are just superior studs. Um, the only area I would give Kansas City an edge on is their secondary. I like Kansas City's secondary a little better, um, especially in this Super Bowl game because uh, – the receivers, like I was saying before, the receivers are pretty young. Um, I think Kansas City will have an easier time defending uh, San Francisco's wide receivers than San Francisco. San Francisco is rated really high in this, their secondary, but that speed on Kansas City's offense, it doesn't even, I mean, I don't care how good you are if you can't catch up to a dude. That gives them a wide open look, and and they have multiple receivers. Kansas City does that that can burn any corner in the league. So, um, I think Kansas City's secondary is going to play is going to have an easier task in the Super Bowl. But uh, the 49ers line is just beastie. So, I mean, with all those dynamics. These two teams are perfectly matched. It's going to make for an entertaining game. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with um with the with the the corners and and the secondary for Kansas City and San Francisco, and that's that's the interesting part about how well these teams match up. Is yeah, San Francisco has been the best. Their secondary has been statistically the best in yards per game. But you said it earlier, Nicole Hardman, Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins, those are some of the fastest receivers in the league. And I'm sorry, Richard Sherman, you're, you're one of the best I've ever seen to play the position. 
but you aren't you aren't going to keep up. And it's like if if Tyreek Hill's double covered, if if Hardman's double covered, Sammy Watkins is going to go off. And that's three receivers. And if all of them are covered well, then you got Travis Kelsey muscling his way around. You know, it's that passing game may be slowed early in the game, the kind of the way it was with with the Texans in Houston, but but at some point you're not going to be able to stop it, and San Francisco is going to have to get to some sort of a lead, or at least be able to hang in there with their rushing game and their offense in order to to find a way to dominate or create some turnovers in one aspect or the other. Um, so the team stats don't bode well for Kansas City, but the quarterback play, we have seen some terrific, amazing things from Patrick Mahomes the past couple of years. I'm already convinced that if he keeps us up this play, he's going to be the best we've ever seen. He's done things I've never seen a quarterback do, and he's done it consistently. And so I'm going to go over some, some numbers for both quarterbacks in this game. Pat Mahomes, 65.9%. But he's not, he's not being accused of being an accurate passer. He's, he's being accused of being a game changer, a guy who can make things happen even if he's on the run. He's just incredible out of the pocket. 4,031 pass yards, 26 touchdowns, only five interceptions on the year, and he's been sacked 17 times for a QBR of 105.3. Now, Jimmy G on the flip side, we talked about this earlier, one of the most accurate passers in the league this last season at a 69.1%. He was just up there with Pat Mahomes in pass yards with 3,978. I mean, that's that's less than 100 yards difference. That's less than a football field difference between them in passing yards. Uh, Jimmy G had the edge on touchdowns with 27. He did have 13 interceptions, so half of he's had half as many interceptions as touchdowns, so that's concerning. And Jimmy G was sacked 36 times this year. That's another concern. If this pass rush of Kansas City can somehow find a way to get past that offensive line in San Francisco, who's so dominant, I mean, Jimmy G's been sacked a lot this season. So I'm gonna, yeah, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not the type of mobile quarterback. So I'm going to start with you, Seamus, on the quarterbacks. Obviously, I think we all agree Pat Mahomes has the edge, but I want to get your take on the difference between these two and as quarterbacks. Well, you know, we, we've already stated that Mahomes is more mobile. Um, Jimmy G is more of a pocket guy. Uh, the other thing, though, is that if you look at Jimmy G's sacks, you also look at the injuries that it, I, I, I don't think he had a – I don't think he had a perfectly 100% healthy O-line all season either. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, you know, he his talent or maybe not, not yet fulfilled talent didn't have something to do with it either, but I, I think Jimmy G is a much better quarterback than a lot of people are giving him credit for. I, I think... You know, as we have said, any given Sunday, players step up that haven't normally stepped up. Um, this is this is the big stage for every single person that's going to be on that field. And, you know, mobility-wise, creativity-wise, big play-wise, yeah, you give the edge to Pat Mahomes. But numbers-wise, if, if every person executes the way that they need to, like we've been saying all, all, all so long, as, and as we've been talking all playoffs long, once we find out the matchups for, for tomorrow's game, this is going to be an exciting football game, no matter what way you look at it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and between the, 
the, for the regular season, their numbers are extremely similar, those two of them. The postseason numbers, that's where Pat Mahomes really takes the – he really skyrockets. <clears throat> but but then again, Jimmy G only had to throw the ball eight times against Green Bay, so that, that gives you your postseason numbers right there. But, I mean, the, the big stat, the big difference between these two is throwing the ball to the other team. And, like I said, half of – I mean, Jimmy G had 13 interceptions to his 27 touchdowns, whereas Pat Mahomes only had five. Killa Kyle, your quarterback comparison – between Mahomes and Garoppolo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has had one of the best starts of a quarterback in the history of the league. He was MVP in 2018. Uh, he has a chance and, I believe, will be a Super Bowl <clears throat> champion. Um, he's He's got all the tools, and they, they groomed him the right way. Andy Reid did um, a little little touch of the Aaron Rodgers grooming. He got to sit on the bench and he only sat for a year, but got to study the game um, close up. Got to watch Alex Smith, who is a decent quarterback. Um, but coming in last year, he came in red hot through fifty touchdown passes. Um, this year, his numbers weren't that level um he did get hurt earlier in the year um which i think had a big part of that um and there were teams in the league that were preparing for him last off season so he they they knew what to expect this year but even with that said patrick mahomes is such a gifted passer he he is a gunslinger and he he can change a game in a second's notice. Um, I love the way he throws the ball. He's uh, super mobile. Uh, he's got everything you want in a quarterback, and he's going to be the face of the NFL for a long, long time. Um, as far as Jimmy Garoppolo goes, it's a good-looking guy. You know, he gets the job done. Yeah, we're going there. He's sexy, right? Right, Seamus? He's sexy. (laughs) He's got that Italian uh, spicy meatball look to him. He he gets the job done. Um, I I think, and and this is interesting, too, because it's a very similar path. He got to sit behind Tom Brady for a couple years, um, study the game from one of the best quarterbacks to to ever lace up. Um, and I think that time really helped him, um, help groom him into a starting role. Um, it was a shame that last year he got hurt and missed most of that campaign because before that, he was 7-0 and before he got hurt. He hadn't lost a game until he got hurt. Um, the guy's a winner, and he is good enough to to get your team a win. Um, not as mobile as Patrick Mahomes, um, and maybe doesn't have as much power as Patrick Mahomes, um, but he he does get the ball in the receiver's hands. I mean, he's a good quarterback. I, I'm not going to say he's great or elite by any standards because he's just not there yet. Um, But Patrick Mahomes 
overall is is the better quarterback going into this game, and I believe we'll have um, a better game statistically, and we'll be hosting a trophy. Black Josh, what do you think, quarterbacks? Patty Mahomes has got the edge for sure. Just, just I don't care what kind of stats you can throw at me about Jimmy Garoppolo. Patty Mahomes is the better quarterback. And he's, I think Pat Mahomes is more handsome than Jimmy Garoppolo, for the record. My my opinion is you can easily... Pat Mahomes got a fat ass. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Go on, Black Josh. Um, I, don't, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> you just threw him off. Yeah. Um, moving on. Um... <laughs> No, Pat Mahomes is stacked, and we got Baby Got Back playing here in the background, so I mean, that's even more, more evidence. Um, I want to do bold predictions for the Super Bowl. What's one thing that's really going to, you know, something that's a big surprise? I mean, Killer Kyle, you gave the 70-point minute, you know, you said that there's going to be 70 points scored in this game. I want to give you mine. Yeah, I guarantee it. I, he's guaranteeing it. So, but... I want to get my bold prediction. So what happens if you if they don't score seventy? points? If they don't score seventy points, uh, uh, doesn't even matter because they they will. They're gonna they're gonna throw lights out. Okay, points. so when they don't, then what? Kill the Kyle has to wear a dress. No, that's no. I'll bad. just wear I'll that's just wear a dress for the fun of it. <laughs> my I look so good. I'll go. I'll knock on Seamus's door, and he'll think he had ordered a, a mail order bride. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> My bold prediction for the Super Bowl, and I think it's fairly bold. I think Pat Mahomes will catch a touchdown pass from Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that is that's a stretch. I think they'll be like at the eight, ten yard line, you know, knocking on the door, it'll be a second or third down. They're gonna do some sort of end around trick play, hand the ball off or pitch it back to Tyreek Hill. He's gonna act like he's gonna run. Or it's going to be wide receiver reverse. He's going to run, and then he's going to have the option to throw. Patty Mahomes will be open just by the end zone. He'll he'll throw it because Tyreek Hill has thrown touchdown passes before, and he has shown he has the ability to do so in situations. And Andy Reid is known for trickery, so I think Pat Mahomes will catch a touchdown pass from Tyreek Hill. Black Josh, your bold prediction for the Super Bowl. What do you think? Um, honestly, I don't. Even, I can't even think of any right now. You want to go around and come back to you? Yeah, go around and come back to me. Seamus, bold prediction, Super Bowl. Um. That's okay, we're not doing radio or anything. <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I want to, I, I don't, I don't think that it'll happen. I, I want to say something like, you know, you're going to have, one of the halves is going to start with a, a kick return for a touchdown kind of thing, but I just I don't know if we're I don't know if these teams are those kinds of teams. I don't know if we're going to see something that you know is overly bold. Tyreek Hill could easily run for a touchdown on a kick or punt. My bold prediction is there is not a bold play throughout the entire game. Define bold play. He thinks there's not going to be any... one of those big, spectacular, holy shit, I can't believe that just happened kind of plays. I think there's I... going to be a lot of those kind of plays, to be honest. If there's going to be 70 points like Kyle, uh, Killer Kyle guaranteed, I feel like there's got to be at least one. Yeah, for sure. Killer Kyle, are you going to go with that as your bold prediction, the 70 points? Yeah. 
I think that's a yeah, really good. That's a, that's a bold prediction. I mean, that's talking like a forty-two to you know thirty-one score type thing. You know, that's that's a bold prediction. Yeah, it's thirty-five points for each team, and yeah, and yeah. that's a lot. I mean, we haven't seen a Super Bowl like that. I mean, another bold prediction um, that I could see happening is that this game goes into overtime. Ooh, I love it. I love uh, it. I love that idea. I don't, because I, I, I probably won't get to see it. You don't have to go to work that night. You're, you're I mean, calling I kind of do. You're calling in. All right, it's come around back to you, Black Josh. I want a bold prediction, and don't cop out like Seamus. <laughs> um, <laughs> my bold prediction is Garoppolo will choke through the whole game. What, do you think he's going to throw for under 200 or something? Yeah. That, I like that one. Under 200, three interceptions. Three interceptions. Oh, that's bold. All right, I like it. I like it. Now we're talking bold. Yeah, that's a good, that, that, that's a good answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and, but you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if, if Garoppolo threw three picks. Yeah, I, I mean, it could, it could happen. I'm, I'm, I'm marking it down. Under 200, three picks. Uh, Seamus's, once again, was... No surprise plays, so no onside kick returns, no returns for touchdowns on a special teams play. And no jet sweeps to turn into a pass for a touchdown or that Alright, I like it. I like it. Killer Kyles was a 70 points. Combined. I gave you a twofer. What was your second one? I already forgot. That the game will go no overtime. I love it. Alright, moving on. Um, Andy Reid, his legacy is on the line. This is the biggest game of his career as a head coach, I think, other than the Super Bowl that he already lost. Does he need this to be a Super Bowl? I mean, does this? Does he need this win in the Super Bowl to get in the Hall of Fame? I'm going to start with you, Black Josh. Does Andy Reid need this to get in the Hall of Fame? Forget anything that could happen after this, and he'll probably make it again because Pat Mahomes is going to get seven rings. But um, does Andy Reid need this for his That's career? That's a bold prediction. I don't think he needs the, to win this game. To make the Hall of Fame. I think it will definitely highly, highly increase his chances, yeah. But I think, I think without, even without the Super Bowl, even if he doesn't win a single Super Bowl, I think he still makes the Hall of Fame. Interesting. I mean, he has been an extremely winning coach. He's one of the greatest offensive minds in my lifetime, for sure. There's a lot of young guys coming up, the Kyle Shanahan's, the Matt LaFleur's, the, you know, there's a lot of young offensive minds that are doing a lot of good things. Um, Sean McVay, another one. Um, but Andy Reid, I think he does. I personally think he's got to at least win one to get in. And I think if he wins this one, he's a shoe in for the Hall of Fame. I think if he loses this one, it's he's going to have to make it to one and win eventually. Uh, Kill a Kyle, does Andy Reid need this game to cement his Hall of Fame legacy? It's tough. I, I want to I wanna say he does need it um, because... All the coaches that are in the Hall of Fame right now have at least one Super Bowl ring to their name. Um, but then I look at quarterbacks like Dan Marino, you know, who never won a Super Bowl and is a, a legit Hall of Famer. Um, Andy Reid is kind of like a Dan Marino of coaching. He's always been consistent. Um, he, I, I can't even think of a losing season he's ever coached. I don't even know if he, Seamus might need to look this up. I feel like he's going to. Um, I don't think Andy Reid has ever had a losing season. He's been coaching for 20 years now. Um, and, and 
Yeah, like John Harbaugh was his special teams coordinator at one point, and he's a Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl um, winning coach. Winning coach, yes. So, um, a lot of good coaches have came from his his tree. Um, he has had sustained success as an NFL head coach. He he was a Packer coach back in the day too. People forget that. Uh, right. All right, Seamus, your thoughts? Does Andy Reid need this Hall of Fame? I think you're gonna have to find the boys. Um, so yeah, I, me, Seamus, have you pulled? All right, let me see that computer quick. I want to get the Andy Reid take. He's had two losing seasons. In how many years? About 20 or so? Uh, his first coaching year was 99. First coaching year was 99. So it's exactly 20 years. So, yeah, in 20 years, like uh, Kelly Kyle had indicated, Andy Reid has had two losing seasons. So that that's not something I knew. Um, what is his winning percentage? Can you quick stare at that for me oh, on the bottom? Career winning percentage as a head coach. Winning win loss percentage in his twenty one years point six one eight. So yeah, he's he's I'd say that's well above five hundred for twenty years worth of work and large body of work. Twenty years is a pretty pretty hearty resume and so yeah, um, the boys, you back? Yep. All right. Yeah. I don't I don't think he needs the Super Bowl to, to make the Hall of Fame. Um, you guys probably missed this stat. I just want to throw it out there. He had he's had only two losing seasons in twenty one years. He said, "Yep." In twenty one seasons, he's only had two losing seasons. He's got a point six. Sorry, three three losing seasons. Three losing and uh, thousand five. And he's got a point six one eight winning percentage as a head coach. And nineteen ninety nine. That's very very good. That's very very good. But does he need it, Seamus? I don't think so. I I think his success. And especially when you look at the fact that he hasn't had a losing season since he's been in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good point. Good point. I. He's. I, I don't think he needs it. I. I think. I think he feels he needs it. I think there are a lot of people that want him to get one, but I don't think it's going to affect him getting into Kansas. I think at some point, if it ain't this year, Andy Reid's going to get his. I think it's inevitable. I think it'd be a, a, a curse from the football gods if, if Andy Reid does not get a Super Bowl at some point. He's gone from a guy I hated as a coach with Philadelphia because I, I always hated the Eagles, and now I just love him, and I want so bad for him to get a couple rings, man. I really do, and I think with, he's finally got the quarterback that he needs. He's finally got that Hall of Fame legendary quarterback behind the, behind the line. To, to take him there. So if it ain't this year, I think at some point he's going to get his and he's going to get in the Hall of Fame either way. Well, actually, I don't think he's going to get in if he doesn't win a Super Bowl. Personally, I don't. Um, moving on. Um, halftime show. Uh, I think that it's going to be an amazing halftime show. I think it's going to be one of the best ever just because Shakira's in it and I love Shakira. There's going to be more booty and booty shaking in the Super Bowl than we've seen <laughs> ever. And I think... I think every Super Bowl should be played in Miami because there's no better place. Miami is so close to the United States that it's almost the United Sta- in the United States. It's so great. Um, and Shakira, I think the NFL has stepped it up in halftime shows. Um, I want to ask you guys, though, who is one act that you think is, like, is worthy of and who you'd love to see 
in the halftime show. I'm going to start with you, Seamus. Who would you? Who's you? Who are you dying to see do a halftime show Super Bowl performance? Pat Benatar. Um, laugh. That laugh. I've I've been blessed to have seen artists already that I've wanted to see. Um, uh, as for, I don't know, I'm an old music guy, and um, all right. Uh, so we got cut off a little bit, but we're going to continue with the conversation. We were talking about Seamus. What's one artist you would die to see do a Super Bowl halftime show? Go. Artist, I would die to see a halftime show. It's never going to happen. I would have loved to have seen Rush do a halftime show. That's an awful pick. All right, Killer Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that's my own personal bias. It's a fair question. It's a fair answer. They're a big enough band that would be worthy. I think of it. Maybe in the. I'm sure they've done a CFL Super Bowl halftime show. But uh, Killer Kyle, one artist that you think would be worthy of a Super Bowl halftime show that you'd love to see? Well, there's a couple. I, so I'm a big Weekend fan. I I don't think this will happen, but I'd love to see the Weekend do a, a Super Bowl show. I think he has enough hits now um, and has enough like party hits that it would. And he's a good performer. I think he would kill it in a halftime show. Um, another one that probably won't happen is Eminem. I think Eminem would put on an awesome, uh, halftime show. He would have to, yeah, he'd have to tone it down a little bit, you know, but he just released a new album and the song in the song Godzilla, he goes off. And like, if he did one of these like fast raps that he did, like in, on the song Godzilla, oh my God. God, did it he would break be... the Guinness World Record in that song? He did, yeah. Like, 200-some words in a certain amount of time. It was just insane. If you Go check out the song. It's insane. It is insane. You, it's it's just totally insane. And if he did something like that at a halftime show, that would be awesome. Um, I just... Am I... Oh, go ahead. I just don't think he's family-friendly enough that the NFL would allow that. I realize he's it's, not. I realize no, we're dreaming right now, but yeah, I just don't see that as a realistic so, possibility. That leads into my more realistic pick, and we brought him up earlier, and I think Usher would make for a Isn't really good halftime show. He, I don't think he's ever headlined one. He may have. No, I, I don't. Usher's never done a Super Bowl halftime show. I'm surprised, actually. Yeah, you could bring he out would... Lil John. You know, all the all the other artists. He's been with Ludacris on songs. You could bring out all those other guys to perform. You know, with some of the hits with him, and that would be excellent. I think. Or even collab him with with some female artist or something. You know, like like the like the collab this year with Shakira and J Lo. I don't think they've ever been on a track before. Yeah, like maybe together. Yeah, like maybe like Usher and Rihanna or some like female like star, you know that that that's realistic and actually I think that would be really entertaining because they can both dance and they're both they both got enough hits to compile a really good halftime show. And like I like what the Super Bowl did the one year with Red Hot Chili Peppers and Bruno Mars taking two like completely different genres of music and combining them and they put on an excellent show. I really love yes. that one. That's um, rated the number six halftime show of all time. What's rated number one, Prince? Yep. Yeah, that was the best. That was the best in my Prince life. killed it. Yeah. Prince, he played yeah, Purple Prince. Rain in the rain. How cool is that? They, 
before the morning of, they said, you, uh, we, we, you know, I, I'm sure you probably realize it's raining. And his response was, can you make it rain harder? That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, that one's still the, the best one in my memory. Second being Bruno Mars and Red Hot Chili Peppers for me personally. Michael Jackson was iconic too. Right, right. Uh, his his super halftime show performance changed the way halftimes were done. Yes, and the pause that he did in the beginning, I mean, <laughs> that's iconic. Earth shattering. Like going, going from Jumbotron to on, on screen to being poofed on top of the Jumbotron to then being poofed onto the stage. He's poofing. A lot of pooping. It's like, you know, David Copperfield appearing in a cloud of smoke. Poof. Black Josh. Uh, that was a sexy, sexy show, Seamus. <laughs> sexy pick. Seamus is the guy who decides what's sexy and not from now on. Yes, absolutely. Black Josh, your thoughts. <laughs> who would you love to see you do the halftime show that you think would be realistic? That would be realistic? Maybe do one that's realistic and one that you would just die to see uh, my dynasty would probably be like Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa. Oh, shit. That'd be fucking amazing. <laughs> why hasn't Snoop Dogg done one, right? Well, because he'd be up there fucking smoking blunts. That's why. <laughs> do it in a state that it's legal. I don't know. I don't know. Even still, they wouldn't allow that. Maybe because it's, it's the NFL. Las Vegas. Who are the... <laughs> but uh, maybe, you know, maybe it becomes realistic once they, you know, finally legalize it, you know, everywhere. So maybe then it'll become realistic because then they could just sit up there. And smoke blunts. And I've been to a Snoop Dogg concert. It was fucking amazing. Yeah, I'm sure it's just the best He was just ever. chucking blunts out off of the fucking stage and shit. Said, fuck the police. Like, <laughs> he pretty much said, fuck the police. You guys ain't going to do shit anyways. Right, right. So, Snoop Dogg has people on his payroll to do nothing but roll weed for him. That is accurate. That's amazing. Black Josh, what about your realistic pick? Do you got any realistic pick that you like? I think that one's not too unrealistic, honestly. Yeah, I think it's a... Unrealistic, realistic one. To yeah, be honest. Like it, I think Wiz Khalifa alone could do it, just I, because he's got some songs that are, aren't necessarily about you know just drugs and shit. Right, but he's not really like the the mainstream star. Like he's big and he's he, big. He's pretty big right now. He's big, but I don't. I Maybe don't know. not right now. But I don't know if he's Super like, Bowl big. Like two years ago. Um, my pick. It's it's an easy one because there's been a petition going around this for I think at least ten years now. There's been petitions going around to have Metallica play the Super Bowl halftime show to bring some fucking metal to the house. And I think it's fairly realistic that it could happen. The NFL hasn't let it happen yet, but there's been a lot of people who have been really vocal about having Metallica play a Super Bowl halftime show, and I think that would be sick before they get too goddamn old. Um, just to throw this out there, 2011, Usher performed in the Super Bowl halftime show. Well, who is he with? Do you have any idea? Uh, Black Eyed Peas and Slash. Oh, yeah. That was the... He didn't headline that, though. That was the Packers. Uh, yeah, he did. No, it was Black Eyed Peas headlined. Yeah, the Black Eyed All Peas All three of them were headliners. That was the Packers Super Bowl. Yes, it was. That was. Oh, how embarrassing. So then who's, head- so who's headlining this show then? Jennifer Lopez or Shakira? It's a co-headlining event. That one I remember being billed as the Black Eyed Peas, and they always have guests who come out. So for- Yeah, he, was, he wasn't the, the main attraction. I'm talking about a strictly Usher halftime show. Right. But he's already done one, so he's not going to do another one. Well, Beyonce did two in a row. Yeah, Justin Timberlake did multiple ones. 
I only saw him in there once. Yeah, because Beyonce was what ended up coming out as part of the Bruno Mars Red Hot Chili Peppers one, and then I think she headlined either the year before or the year after that one. Um, and then Bruno was headlined twice. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a there's been a few of them that have done it multiple times. Um, but this year, yeah. So I mean, there's always guests that come up. So I think, for instance, this year you're going to see. I mean whoever's been on their their hit song. So Wyclef Jean will probably come out for Hips Don't Lie, which will be the banger closer for this halftime show for sure because that's the best song either of them got. But either way, we got good, good nice tight. Jenny from the Block. Yeah, Jenny from the Block. That'll that'll be up there. I'm, you know, uh, waiting for tonight, I'm sure. There's going to be all kinds of hits. <laughs> You're dating yourself. Whenever, wherever by Shakira will be up there. All, all the hits, you know. So we were, All the hits. Nothing but that motherfucking hits. It's going to be a great booty shake in Miami Super Bowl. A lot of Latin love going on. And that's what we like to see I here. need Famous to record a booty shaking video and upload it on the 5 Tool Facebook page. <laughs> speaking of completely... No. Speaking Andy of... Set will be all over it. Speaking of completely bar- embarrassing ourselves, um, our game picks for the season, we got one more game left, of course, that being the Super Bowl, and I'm going to give a rundown to everybody on the stats this year, and I'm happy to announce that uh, I had the best record between the four of us for game picks. I went 16-10. and 10. Uh, Black jo- Black <laughs> Black Rigged. Black Josh went 13-13, and 13, a clean 500, but with one more game to go, of course. Killa Kyle, 12-14, and 14, tied with Sheamus at 12-14. and 14. So we're going to go through game picks. I'm going to start just because I want to hear you guys' take. So, so I'm just hold gonna... on. There's a chance for a three-way tie here. There is a chance. If you guys both pick the same thing and Black Josh How picks... come we haven't talked about that? Well, because it all depends on what this pick is. And if you guys pick different, then there's no way for a three-way tie. Yeah, you're right. Shit. I'm going to get mine out of the way because I already know I'm going to win anyways. I'm picking KC even though I think there's a very good chance San Francisco is going to win. My reasoning is Pat Mahomes is going to get seven rings and it's going to start right now. Um, Black Josh, who do you got? Super Bowl. Kansas City. Kansas City. We got another one for Kansas City. Killer Kyle, who you got? Yeah, I, um, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Wow. Love I, it. I think, you know, in all honesty, I, I think, um, I, I, like we've been talking about this whole segment, I think it's going to come down to quarterback play. And Patrick Mahomes is just in a in a different category than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, it's really that easy. There's no debate. Um, Mahomes is more elite, and he's going to get the job done. All right, all right. I like your thoughts, Seamus. Who? Yeah. I'm I'm going with I'm going with the 49ers. I I will I will stand on an island and say Jimmy G raises a Lombardi this year. That would be awfully adorable to see Jimmy G raise it up. So that that brings us to the point that if whoever loses, this between you two is going to be the big loser of the year, and you're going to have to do something embarrassing. And we decided before the show that if if San Francisco wins and Killa Kyle um, ends up with the worst record between the four of us, he will wear a dress, and it will be our profile picture on social media for a week. And that will probably not happen until the week following the Super Bowl. And if Sheamus... Um, becomes defeated and has the worst record and Kansas City goes on to win the Super Bowl and hoist the Lombardi Trophy this year, that he will wear Yankees gear as our profile picture on our social media pages. So lame. He should wear a dress. I ain't wearing no dress. You know what? You should let Paul Sype decide what Seamus' punishment is. <laughs> well, Shut up, Paulie. 
Paul, Shout yes. Out. I ain't wearing no dress. Shout out to Paul Sipe, shout out to Dan Doucette, and shout out to Miller Park Minute. Um, I want to do one more thing before we're done here. And this is a way too early prediction. Who will be in Super Bowl 55? Black Josh, starting with you. Packers, not the Patriots. Got to pick an AFC team. Kansas City's going to go again. GB versus KC. Love it. The world needs Rodgers versus Mahomes. It does. And we, did, Super Bowl. and we were deprived of that in the regular season this year when it should have happened, unfortunately. Um, Killer Kyle, Super Bowl 55. Who's going to be representing the NFC? Who's going to be representing the AFC? I will always bet on the Packers to make the Super Bowl. Um, I, I'm, since this is such an absurd prediction because we don't know F's going to look like. We don't know what free agency is going to look like. I'm just going to say the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. Who's going to be I the feel quarterback? Like Gardner Minshew. I think Minshew mania is about <laughs> to explode. I hope so. <laughs> I, I love that guy. I love I him too. I fucking love him. He's amazing. I will open mouth kiss him if I had the chance. <laughs> we know you would. We know you would here at the Fox Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Seamus, who you got in next year's Super Bowl? Just because this is the Super Bowl that I have wanted for years, and I'm not, I'm not going to stop talking about it until I get it. I want a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl. New England. Good luck. So you mean, a, so you mean a Raiders Packers Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> that was gold. I love it. That was gold. You guys are gonna hate. You guys are gonna hate my pick. I also picked Kansas City, just like Black Trash, but I got a, I got a Kansas City-Dallas Super Bowl. Oh, my God. Wow. You think McMuffin's going to take them to a Super Bowl right away? I do. Nope. I'm picking it. They have the roster. They have the quarterback. They're going to pay Dak. They're going to pay Dak Prescott. He's going to be happy. They're going to give him some pieces. And, yeah, I got Kansas City versus... Versus Dallas in the Super Bowl 55. God, you are fucking horrible. With a, uh... <laughs> a p- I thought you were my friend. I don't like the pick- I can't wait to replay this a year later <laughs> and see how wrong we all are. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, yeah. So I got I got Kansas City and Dallas with a little boosty Super Bowl halftime show. Nice. I like it. <laughs> and with that, people, we've talked way too much. All the hype doesn't really matter because the game's gonna too much. the game's gonna play itself up tomorrow. We look forward to it. We look forward to hearing your feedback. So go on social media, like, share, subscribe, review, give us comments. Shout out to Paul Sipe. Shout out to Dan Doucette, and shout out to Paul the Middle Park Minute. We love you here at Five Tool. We'll see at next time we see you. We're gonna have a new Super Bowl champion and a whole lot more to talk about. And it's almost baseball season. Of course, there will be baseball played in the month of February, and we are very excited for that. To bring you that. And with that, 5 Tool Podcast. Don't widen the plate. We're out.